Welcome to Love Savers Radio, ministering the blessings of covenant. This is Walter and Sandy Fox from Love Savers Ministry, called by God to minister the blessings of the marriage covenant by enriching, encouraging, strengthening, and praying for the healing of marriages, especially marriages in crisis. Our program is sponsored by Living Water Church, located at 69 Industrial Road in Wainscott, under the leadership of Pastor Joe Kelly and his lovely wife, Margaret Kelly. Sunday services are at 10 a.m. with a pre-service prayer meeting at 9.30 a.m. Pastor Joe invites you to come and be refreshed. For more information, please call 631-537-2120. That's 631-537-2120. Let's talk about marriage. This is Sandy Fox from Love Savers Ministry inviting you to call us today if you want prayer for your marriage. We pray for the healing of marriages, especially those in crisis. We have faith that God can heal marriages because God healed ours after seven years of divorce. Gary Chapman, the author of The Five Love Languages, said this about Love Savers Ministry. And let me encourage you in what you're doing because I think these kind of shows which deal with really nitty-gritty stuff in relationships Uh really help the listeners. So we're here to help. Call us today at 631-604-6397. That's 631-604-6397. Or email us at lovesavers1 at aol.com. Our website is lovesaversministry.com. And remember, love never fails. Today, Sandy talks with Ron Deal, who wrote the book, The Smart Step Family. Ron is a marriage and family author, speaker, and therapist, and has appeared on national media such as Focus on the Family and the 700 Club. In his book, Ron shares effective and achievable steps towards building a strong marriage and a workable and peaceful step family. The book deals with advice on finances, parenting, communicating with ex-spouses, dealing with pain and loss, step-sibling relationships, and the later life step-families. This is a book needed more than ever, since 40% of families in the United States today are step-families. Let's listen. Today, we're going to discuss your book, The Smart Step Family. And it actually was published, and the first edition came out a while back. What impact has it had? Well, it's had uh, a lot of impact. You know, one of the most humbling things, I think, as an author is when somebody contacts you on Facebook or Twitter or just through an email and says, you know, your your book changed my life. And, you know, I've just been blessed over the last more than a decade to receive that kind of feedback. I have people come up to me at conferences and live events and, and just share with me how some of the things that they learned in the book made a, made a true difference for them. 
Yeah, the book is an Amazon number one bestseller in its category and has been for the past decade. It's considered the most prominent marriage ministry. Leaders in ministries of family life and focus on the family and um, to be number one recommended resource for step families. You know, it's interesting because step families these days have are often called blended families, aren't they, right? right? We have new terminology for that because um, actually, what, about 40% of marriages do are step families, right? Yeah, the numbers we're using today are 40% of families in the U.S. Now, that's uh, a, a married couple that have children. Uh-huh. 40% of those. Right. Blended families, meaning one or both of the adults brought children to that marriage relationship, which is really amazing when you get how prolific that is in our in our culture. And, you know, of course, the implications are immediate. If if you're involved in marriage education, if you if you're a parent trainer, if you're a church who's interested in helping marriages and no matter what role you play, all of a sudden you're beginning to realize that that. That families or blended families, whatever term you want to use, are a part of your audience on a regular, daily basis. And I'm not sure that's getting through to church leaders, community leaders, politicians. I'm not sure they're really receiving that the way that we would like for them to. I know, and one of the reasons, as you even mentioned, is we are so fearful that by giving so much attention, which is so needed, that we are saying that we believe in divorce, which, of course, we don't. I mean, God hates divorce, and we do, too. We are not for it, but the reality is that... It happens sometimes, you know, everything isn't always the ideal. So rather than having a second marriage go on to a third or fourth, it, right. yeah, it would be nice to step in there and sort of have those couples not go on that road to destruction a third time, but walk no, through that narrow gate. That's right. You know, it's really amazing to me. I mean, there's, there's so much wrapped up in what you just said, and, and you're right on with it. It's amazing to me how many mature step family couples I've talked to over the years that will say to me, we are happy, we love our family, we have grown to a place where we enjoy our marriage and our family. We, it hasn't always been that way, but, but we got there, we made it. And, and then they'll tell you, and if we could have never gone through the divorce in the first place that led to this marriage, we would go back yeah. to our family. I think there is an understanding that plan A, if you will, is best uh, for marriages, for families, and certainly for children who grow up in those contexts. It's absolutely the best environment for them. Nobody's uh, debating that at all. Right, As a matter right. of fact, that's very much my heart. But what I also know is that when you're living plan B, you need answers, you need help, you need support so that plan B can be the best that it can be. And I really believe this, Sandy, and I think this is really important that we say this, that, that, that blended families done well can be redemptive. Yes. Here's what I mean by that. What yes. I mean by that is, okay, it may not be plan A, but it can be great. It can be good. It can be something 
that stops the generational pattern of divorce, that gives children, for example, a healthy marriage model. Now, right. let, let me tell you something interesting. You, you were talking about this revised expanded edition coming out yes. and released in May. Ten, Twelve years ago, when I wrote the first edition, uh -huh. I said in that book, I believe very strongly that that a healthy stepfamily can, can break the generational cycle of divorce and it can help children grow up to have a healthy marriage model. I said that 12 years ago. We now have research to support that very notion that says, get this, when children grow up in a healthy blended family, watching a healthy marriage, that their marriages, when they grow up, number one, they have a better attitude about the institution of marriage. They're more positive about it. Number two, when they do get married, their marriages tend to reflect more of the positive example of the stepfamily marriage than the negative divorce of their parents that led to the blended family in the, in the first place. Right. God is... That's what I mean by yeah. redemptive. Yeah, know? God is so good. He's, he's the God of second chances. And exactly. we have all seen examples of exactly. such beautiful parenting and love um, and agape, godly, you know, love from these second marriages. So, yeah, and so what we're saying is plan A is the way to go. Yeah. But if you're living plan B, you want that family to be as strong as it can be. Yes. And God will use it. He will yes. use you over and he'll make a difference in even the lives of the next generation through that blended family. Now I gotta pause and say the other side of this. Blended families done well are redemptive, but blended families done poorly really just add to the chaos of people's lives. Right. Children, for example, we, you know, we used to talk about what's the impact of divorce on children. Well, what's the impact of serial divorce on children? Right. A different question. And yes. And we discovered, again, over the last decade, that the, the negative impact of serial divorce is even worse on kids. And I think, for example, the cohabitation rate that we're seeing in a culture today of 70%. Of young people, their first experience will be a cohabiting one, not a married live-in relationship. And they have more breakups, those they who do. cohabit. And what are they doing? Before. I think they're running from the serial divorces of their parents. I think that's what they're doing. I think that is a strong, strong factor that's influenced our society. Right, let me just come around and say something else here, because right. I want to point out that not all blended families are a result of divorce. I think it's really important that we point that out. Now, it's true that majority of them are. That's right. There's lots and lots of people who are getting remarried at the age of 60. Right, they and they've had spouses who've died, yeah. Yeah, they had a 30-year wonderful marriage, Yeah. and uh, the spouse died of cancer. And here they yes. are getting remarried later in life. And they discover the same thing that the divorced person who's getting remarried discovers, and that is that blended family life is very different than first family life. It doesn't matter how you got there. It's very, very different. And being a parent is different than being a step-parent. And a second-time marriage has some unique challenges to it that first marriages don't have. That's what it is that we do. That's why this book, The Smart Step Family, and the series of books and uh, the ministry that we're doing here at Family Life Blended is really aimed at equipping and empowering people to navigate that journey well. Yes. Let's talk about the seven core steps to becoming step family smart that you describe. Okay. All right. Um, well, let's try to hit a few of them as quickly right. as we can. The first one is I call step up. Step up to discover redemptive God. Just as I said a minute ago, um, the, the blended families can be redemptive in the sense that they help take back the next generation. 
and redeem this generation back towards God. I believe that God is wide open in his heart and spirit. Grace abounds for people that have been through divorce, perhaps, and have made decisions that have brought pain and suffering to other family members, that God is more than willing to receive them back. That's the message of the cross, right? Yes. And and I, I think it's really important for step families to hear that because, honestly, there is this hidden fear that says, you know, wow, boy, don't tell anybody at church your story because they're going to look at you funny. Um, yeah. They might not let you teach fourth grade Bible class. And, uh, you know, they're, they'll, they'll take your money when you tithe. That'll be fine. But yeah. they're not sure they're going to treat you the same. And, and so there's this sense of being second class that I yeah. think a lot of step families struggle with. And, I, and, and what we want to say is, A, the church should not do that. And B, God does not for sure do that. Right. He's more than happy to receive you home. But you do have to submit yourself to him. You do have to give him the chance to speak into your heart. That's true. What would you say about the next step, the step down, your expectations? You know, when people walk into a step family situation, uh, you know, whether they know it or not, they've got some expectations about how things are going to go. I wrote a book a couple of years ago called Dating and the Single Parent. And, and one of the biggest expectations for dating people, uh, whether they're dating the single parent, they are the single parent, or, or both, is that they're thinking, you know, because we love each other, the kids are going to love each other, the kids right. are going to love us, and they're going to love our marriage. And that's what's going to be the foundation of uh, a fabulous blended family. Well, the truth is, sometimes kids do love your marriage, yeah. but often they're intimidated by it. Often they're, they feel replaced by it. Often they feel displaced because of the time and energy that you're giving to your spouse and to that new marriage relationship. And it, it actually takes a toll on their heart a little. Right. I love the example you gave of the little child who said, are you going to love me like, th you know, you love um, your husband like this, putting the arms mm -hmm. way out, and are you going to yeah. love me like this, like the two fingers close together, like just a little bitty love and yeah. a big love for him, right? And that's mm -hmm. the way the little child felt. That's that displacement. That's that, yeah. I think I'm being moved out of your heart. And of yeah. Course, yeah. Of course, you, you know, it's never going to move a child out of your heart when you get married, but it does move them out of your time. Uh-huh. It does, it does mean you have less energy to give to them, and they feel that loss. And keep in mind, they've already been through a whole lot of other losses, and so they are hypersensitive to losing you to anything else. They've already been through so many transitions. They get... They get um, you know, very, very hypersensitive to, to another loss coming into the life. Okay, so all of that means that your high expectation of, hey, we love each other, they're going to love each other, doesn't always translate into life. And it often takes many, many years for kids and the entire family unit to really solidify and to come together. Yes, I loved your example of the crock pot, slow cooking, and sometimes yeah. it can take four years if it's a really uh, good second marriage, or sometimes it can take seven, but it takes a really long time. What are those other examples, along with the crock pot examples that yeah, that timing is really important. Like time. cooking with a crock pot takes you know five, six, seven hours depending on what you're cooking and. And the average step family needs somewhere between five and seven years to really find 
its its mojo to really come together right. as a family unit. Um, and really, now we're stepping through with the next step, step through the wilderness. Yes. Um, and and kind of like Moses and the Israelites leaving, you know, Egypt and trying to get to the promised land, they they had to go through a long wilderness in order to get there. Kind of cooking a step family is similar to that. Sometimes it feels like a wilderness in the middle while you're waiting for it to turn good, right? Right. Because, because some ingredients in your crock pot will soften more quickly than other ingredients, and they warm up to one another, and they begin to love and share of themselves. But other ingredients, boy, they just kind of stay over in the corner, and they're not interested. Right, and I love that you really taught that you shouldn't take things that personally initially because a negative that could just really break your heart in a moment, if you took it personally, can totally turn around and change. And the child, the stepchild will be filled with accolades and compliments and love very shortly after. That's right. That's right. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so you, you have to accept what you have today and keep pushing for tomorrow, but don't live with a constant sense of of dread over what you don't have. I think that's kind of back to that expectation that um, it's going to happen quickly. And so adults tend to get impatient with the children when they just don't warm up as quickly as the adults want them to. And the next thing you know, instead of being, um, you know, engaging with them in a happy spirit, you're, you're critical of them and you're angry with them because they're not doing what you want them to do. Yeah, that doesn't help you speed up the cooking process. Right? Right, right. Gonna make it, make it, make it more difficult. Right. So again, getting smart about these dynamics and how you work with them instead of accidentally working against them is really what this book, this one step family, is all about. And by the way, before we go on to another step, let me mention I'm I'm gonna be up in the, the New York area twice this coming year doing marriage conferences and and a step family conference right there in the Bronx, uh, not too far from you if I've got my directions correct. And I'd okay. uh, love for, for some of your listeners to to uh, join us. You can find all that information at uh, smartstepfamily.com. Along with a lot of other things on smartfamily.com, right? Smartstepfamily.com. It's the largest website for step families in the world. Yes. And articles, uh, uh, videos that are available, resources that you can purchase. Um, all kinds of information. Right, it's really wonderful. Anyway, going back to the timing again, mm. uh, you say that you should wait probably even three years before you enter into a remarriage you know, after a death or divorce. Or go ahead. I'm glad you brought that up because that is one of the things I changed in this new revised edition. It's yeah. Funny how you look back on things. Uh huh. And you've learned something, and the research kind of reveals something new. I, um, I used to tell people, you know, a time frame. Like, you need, to, yeah. you need to date two years before you even think about getting married. Yeah. And the way I would say it now is there's a lot of wisdom in going slow and dating. Yeah. I'm, I've decided I'm not as smart as God. Yeah. <laughs> and I really don't know how long people should date. I right. I date a short period of time and end up okay. Yeah. But I will tell you this. The more time you give your children on the front end, the easier it is for them to adjust to the marriage on the back end. Uh-huh. Couples who have rapid dating periods, well, two things. If they, if they rapidly get back into a new relationship after the death or divorce of their spouse, 
and then they have a rapid dating relationship toward marriage. That honestly rarely comes out well because the kids sit back and go, Dad has lost his mind, you know. Uh-huh. He would never let me date somebody that way. Uh-huh. How in the world does he think this is going to work out? And they make a decision about this woman dad is dating, and they decide that she's not good. She's uh, This is going to be a bad thing for the family. Uh-huh. And the next thing you know, they're just against her. It's not wise for dad in that scenario to rapidly move through dating into marriage. You've got to take into consideration What's going on with your kids, with your ex-spouse, with, yes, with your ex-spouse. you got to at least think about how this going to impact them and their relationship with the children. What about extended family members? How will other people view this new marriage in light of our dating process? It's just, it's just being wise about uh, understanding the importance of how you go about it. Right. That's part of the cooking, you know. That's yeah. part of getting off on a good start. Let me say one other thing about cooking, and then we can talk a little bit about the, the two-step. Right. Uh, couples who are later in life, I, I think there's a there's a real blind spot for them. You know, they're thinking, well, we're in our mid-50s, we're empty nests, or we're in our 60s, we're empty nests, and and uh, our kids are not going to care if we get married. And All right. Now, let me tell you, they care. Uh-huh. They care a lot. I don't care if they're 35 and got their own family and raising their own kids and have a very busy schedule and you live halfway across the country. They care because the whole family dynamic changes. You know, Christmas is never the same. And um, Yeah, could you just people. talk a little bit about what you um, have in your book about traditions, how important yeah. Christmas is and traditions and how it affects us? You said something so amazing, like it, it takes a bit of our life away when we're mm-hmm. not allowed to have the traditions that we grew up with. Would yeah. you talk a little about that, please? I think most of us don't realize how important our traditions are. To right. Us. So somebody goes and messes with it. Yes. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, now you could be five, and all of a sudden you care about something you never seemed to care about before. Yeah. You could be 45, and you could think, well, okay, wait a minute. I, this is the way we've always done it. And we uh-huh. kind of fall into the comfort and security of knowing how you decorate for Christmas and what you're going to have to eat and when you're supposed to do such and such and play this game or do that activity on Thanksgiving and how you're supposed to go about birthdays and Mother's Day and Father's Day celebrations. and I mean, on and on it goes. Those traditions are kind of markers in our life about what's normal, what's good, what's right, what's eternal, what's lasting. And then when somebody goes and says, no, I'm sorry, we don't open one present on Christmas Eve and open the rest on Christmas morning. Right. We have to wait until after dinner on Christmas Day, you know, late in the afternoon. And all of a sudden you're going, wait a minute, <laughs> you know. Yes. That's not right. And the two sides, so here's what this does in a blended family. It, it creates two sides, your side and my side. Right. Our way and your way, yeah. And, and, and now they're divided. They were kind of already divided, and now they're really divided. So traditions and holidays have this, have this tendency to accentuate the dividedness that's going on in your home. Yes. And it creates stress, and people get angry, and there's conflict. And so 
how, what are we going to do? Well, lots of tools and tips in the Smart Step Family book to kind of help people. But one of them is just, again, learning the understanding the dynamic here. People right. Don't like control and change right. being forced on them. Right. We have to we have to work it. We have to yes. it. We have to listen and share. Yeah. And then you can find something workable. Yes, I have a friend who told me one time that she hangs those little silver icicles on the Christmas tree every year. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. thought, oh my goodness, Mother used to do that. I could mm -hmm. see a picture of her holding all the silver strands in one hand and so delicately putting it on the tree. And I thought, oh, I'm going to have to revive that to add to the tradition. I might have let that go. It's mm. just so important, like you said, those memories, what kind of makes you you in a way, you know? Yeah, to, and think about that. There's an identity process. Yeah. You just nailed it. There's an identity. We do holidays this way. We do Christmas this way. We do... Well, when there's dividedness in the home, it's not a we. It's kind of you versus us. And so yeah. here's, again, the crockpot at work. You have to live and learn. You have to try it and see. And it may take you two or three years before you figure out how to actually do Christmas and have a decent holiday and people right. not be angry at each other. Right. But guess what? On year four and year five and year six and year seven, you start cooking a whole lot easier as a family. Right. Because you figured it out. And now, instead of being a holiday that divides you, you come together and it's a holiday that defines you. Yes. And you get your new family identity. And again, helping people understand this is getting them smart to be able to deal with the step family journey. We're going to have to leave you now. I just want to tell our listeners that they can uh, get all your wonderful information. As you mentioned before, the you know videos, uh, counsel articles. Um, if they look at smart step families on the web, and we'll say now goodbye and God bless and thank you for enriching us on this extremely important subject of the day. May thank you. It's been an honor to be with you. Oh, thank you. Okay. Take care now, Ron. Talk to you soon. Okay, bye-bye.
Today's marriage manner is from Romans 15.5. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. Next week, our guest is Dave Carter. He wrote the book Torn Asunder, Recovering from Extramarital Affairs. This book deals with infidelity. It is a response to the fact that infidelity is at crisis levels, even within the church. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week.